0: Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world.
1: Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. We're the number one global radio show for entrepreneurs. And we're brought to you by the American Institute of Sales, Marketing, and Management. The, reason, the whole reason for the being of this show is to help entrepreneurs to, um, to build their businesses, to give them advice, to keep them up to date with what's happening out there in technology and in business development around the world. We tell it exactly the way it is, and we try to assist you in every way possible. So if you have a question about any aspect of business, please don't hesitate to drop me an email. It's bob, B-O-B, at bobpritchard.com, and I'd love to hear from you, and we'll get back to you um, with the answer to your question. And at the same time, if you'd like me you'd like me to interview somebody in particular, then, again, just drop me a note. And uh, ask who you'd like to hear from, and I will hunt them down and get them on the line for you. I often get calls and emails to this program about um, people asking what what the best way is to objectively review their business and I always uh, suggest that they start with a SWOT analysis that's s w o t now I'm sure 99% of you know what a SWOT analysis is. But for those of you who don't, it's an assessment of your business's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, It sort of memorializes all the information about your business in one place uh, so that you can readily analyze it. And I reckon um, a good SWOT analysis is absolutely critical when you're planning your business future. And it's not a... Exercise in generating hundreds of pages of information. It's about coming up with a list of concise issues that are either working for you or against you or in your business. Now, obviously, once you've compiled these, uh, you will need to, um, at some stage, sit down in and discuss them in real detail and address the issues and how you maximize the positive ones and minimize the negative ones but um, when you're first compiling a SWOT that's not the place to do it Um, for example you might say one of one of the weaknesses of the company is insufficient cash on hand well that's all you need to do just that's all you need to put at this point insufficient cash on hand that's one of the weaknesses so um Um, Another weakness might be um, lack of training of the sales team. Well, that's all you need to put at that point. You don't need to go into any of the details about why this exists or how it exists or any of that. Just the fact that it's there and then you go and you do the same thing with each of the areas and uh, it's amazing what a great snapshot you get of your business. You should include as many people as you can in the SWOT. You know, um, probably up to eight or ten people get everybody involved. And it's got to be one of those things where people can feel free to say what they like and what they believe without any recriminations. I mean, often people are afraid to sit there and say, one of the weaknesses in this company is the lack of communication by the CEO. Because you figure that if you say that, you're likely to get the bullet. So it's got to be a... um, an open forum where people can say what they think without any recriminations afterwards. That's positive and negative. The easiest part of a SWAT, of course, is the strengths and weaknesses because most people understand their strengths and weaknesses really well. Um, Although they tend not to. They tend to have a lot more strengths and weaknesses. People tend to gloss over their weaknesses a bit, um, particularly management tend to try and play down the weaknesses and play up the strengths. Um, and in the opportunities and threats section, there's a lot of things you could, should consider. Um, for example, um, opportunities to your business and threats to your business can be come from the same source. They could be things like um, economic issues. They could be political issues. They could be social issues. They could be changes in technology Um, And economic issues could be the global economy, currency, could be manufacturing costs due to um, fluctuation of economy or things you're importing, um, taxes and duties and political issues and all forms of legislation, even down to things like zoning changes could all be opportunities or threats depending on what's happening. Social issues can change. They can be changing perceptions of your product in the marketplace. Some products just outlive their usefulness. They could be changing community attitudes in general. Um, The demographics of your community could be changing. Uh, Increasing increasing and decreasing leisure time 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 could be a factor in your business. So all of those things need to be taken taken into account. account. So So have have a swat. Uh, don't rush it. Ensure that you give each of the four areas, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats, a full, open and vigorous discussion. Then sometime after it's completed, sit down and go through each one and see how you can address it and improve or capitalise on the situation. In the news this week, A Houston man's been arrested after Google sent a tip to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, saying that the man had explicit images of a child in his email. Mm. The Houston police said that the man was keeping the explicit pictures of children inside his email, which they can't see as police, but of course Google can. So after Google made the tip off, the police used the information to get a warrant and when they executed the warrant, they found more images and text messages and all sorts of stuff, and the police arrested him. He's now on $200,000 bail. Okay, so this is the dilemma. On one hand, most people would certainly applaud the use of technology to scan emails in a way to, um, as a, a way to arrest pedophiles. But on the other hand, how much privacy should you be able to expect when you're using Google services like email? Well, in actual fact, your security with Google and email can be summed up in one word. Well, two words, absolutely none. And uh, my view is, not that many of you probably care about my view, but my view is that it's a bit like CCTV cameras on the streets. They prevent crime. And if you've got nothing to hide and you're not doing anything wrong, then film me all you like. Put up a sign just so that I can smile as I approach the camera. But I suspect that I might be in a minority and uh, I'd love to hear your views. So should Google and others, police, be able to access your emails and uh, report you to the authorities if you're doing something naughty So drop me a line at bob at bobpritchard.com. Let me know your thoughts. Now, this is one I love. Uh, Also in the news this week, Dutch Beer Grolsch, not a bad beer, has come up with a great idea. They're building customer engagement with an offer of free movies to customers who link their bottles to smartphones through a bottle cap Bluetooth beacon. How cool is that? So the moment you... Snap the top off the bottle, tap the tap the uh, bottle against your phone, and the beacon activates and sends a signal to a server, and bingo, you get a free movie. Now that is a great example of how beacons can build engagement and help deliver rewards to customers. I just love that. I mean, if I had, a, if I'm in buying a beer for a round of beers from a friends and I've got a choice of beer a or going to a gross tapping against my phone and um having the beacon get me a free movie i've switched they've got me um so it's an easy process that promotes involvement without having to manually type serial numbers or any of that bullshit which really deters people from getting involved it's just a frictionless experience so um We've had lots of ways that brands have tried to enable engagements, QR codes and, you know, things like that. Too hard, no clear call to action. But Bluetooth-enabled beacons and image recognition give the promise of better, much better user experiences. Still a few challenges, but it is terrific. However, Grosh, great idea. Bottoms up to you. I see about um, 10 or 12 startup pitches every single day, and the more I see, the more I've realized that brilliant business ideas come down to two things. One, is it simple? Secondly, does it solve a real problem? For example, consider the startup pitches at Charleston, South Carolina, at Dig South, yeah, you know, that's a conference. I think it's in May, combining great entertainment, cutting-edge technology, pitch events, networking. You know the general things that happen at these events. And I just want to mention three fantastic startup pitches and why they um, attracted attention. The first was called Eat a Bit. Now I don't know about you, but I don't like calling into a restaurant to place a go-to order. Um, it's a pain in the ass. The restaurants are often busy. People are distracted. You have to repeat your order, particularly with my accent. You have to repeat your order multiple times to ensure there's no confusion. And when you pick up the food, it's often not quite right. Eat a bit addresses this problem by tapping into something we do every day. Even an old fart like me does it probably 50 times a day, and that's text messaging. So why not use text messages to order food? Eat a bit allows you to uh, text your order to your favorite restaurant. It goes straight through to the kitchen, and it's ready to be picked up exactly as you want it when you arrive. And if there's any confusion, you just show the restaurant your text message. A very cool, very simple idea that addresses a real issue. The second great idea was called Zubie, Z-U-B-I-E. Matter of fact, I just thought of another great idea that's really simple and addresses a real need. That's coming up with great names for inventions that actually make sense. The names that make sense, are not the inventions. Zubi. Who ever thought of Zubi? Um, but when you're with a company and you're sitting down, and I've done this a lot, trying to come up with a new name for a business, it's hard because every bloody name you can think of, no matter how you spell it backwards, forwards, sideways, print it upside down, somebody has already done it. Anyway, back to Zubi. I don't know whether you know, but more than 50% of all car breakdowns are battery related. Now, Zubi solves this problem by... It plugs directly into your car's onboard diagnostic port port, and it captures valuable driving data for car owners and drivers that includes location tracking, driving patterns and most importantly, vehicle health. Because Zuby allows the car to always be connected and collecting data, it enables some really compelling features such as theft or tow detection and battery drain alerts. Zubi can alert you before your battery dies It even assists you with your taxes by helping you easily separate personal and business mileage. So that's another very simple, very pragmatic product that addresses a real need. I think that's very cool. The third great idea was called Potterson, another kind of really weird name. But I've got offices in two major countries and dozens and dozens of appointments every month. I've got seminars to give, my weekly metal meetings, and believe it or not, I even managed to squeeze in some personal stuff. I'm constantly constantly digging digging through through emails emails and 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 scribbling, dingling things on on paper and 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 trying to keep everything straight. straight. So, So 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 this is where potter's in in. potter and eyes. Potter and eyes comes in. It's an online platform that can be easily accessed on your computer, on your tablet, phone, any of those, and it helps you keep everything organized on a day-to-day basis. It is a really simple, simple, simple idea, and it solves a problem, and it will probably succeed. So I love simple things at work. Everything gets too complicated, and with all the new technology, I don't have time for complicated. I'm a very simple kind of guy. Now, I'm also an unabashed Musk fan. Elon's got to be the cleverest guy on the planet. But just what the hell is wrong with government? How can they be so out of touch? Elon Musk's Hyperloop makes the proposed California bullet train look like a bloody horse and buggy. California's proposed bullet train connects Los Angeles and San Francisco in three hours. Now that sounds pretty fast. Top speed's two hundred and twenty miles per hour, um, and the the state's now got the legal go-ahead to fund the product, uh, the project. So three hours, LA to San Francisco sounds pretty quick. But compared to the Hyperloop that Telstra and SpaceX CEO Musk's introduced, the bullet train might as well be from a thousand years ago. Three hours. The Hyperloop can do it in thirty minutes, and Musk says that the hyperloop would cost seven and a half billion to build, where this bloody high speed rails costing sixty eight billion and while the bullet train it looks pretty cool it 's just another bloody fast train like and that hyperloop loop is something borrowed from the future you know we don 't want to train we 've done trains we 've done trains for a hundred years. Now, the Hyperloop uses special capsules that travel in uh, tubes on a cushion of air, and they travel at over 700 miles an hour. Passengers in each... Ca- you can't see outside, but you've only got 30 minutes to get there anyway. But you've got personal screens, and you can watch a really fast television program. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. And it's one-tenth of the cost of this stupid, bloody train. So... That brings me to the question, are politicians nuts or don't they listen or are they so old and out of touch that they don't know what's going on around them or are they just plain stupid? You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and we're brought to you by the American Institute of Sales, Marketing and Management. We're here to assist entrepreneurs becoming successful. So no matter what your question is or anything about business or business, interviews, or anything at all, drop me a note at bob at bobpritchard.com and we'll answer it on air or I'll email you directly. After the break, I'm going to be talking with my guest, William nebrega He's the founder of the Conrad Group, a global professional services firm that is a recognised leader in emerging market investment and advisory services. Do you have know, the... Emerging market is a sensational market. Middle class is growing very quickly. Their economies are growing very quickly. They are technologically advanced um, and uh, they are a tremendous market. Well, William, very smart guy, good guy. Spoken to him a lot of times, like him a lot. He recently founded CQS International, which is an emerging market, very focused, internet based. E insurance company. I'll make you bet that um, this company will become the largest e insurance company globally within ju- within just a few years. We'll be talking to William in just a minute after the break. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. We're brought to you by the American Institute of Sales, Marketing and Management, and I'll be back with William in just a moment.
0: you want the world to know you're a force to be reckoned with if so you must join the american institute of sales marketing and management america's foremost accreditation institute you'll be amazed at how aismm can open doors that you can't increase your prestige and influence add the letters aismm after your name apply now go to aismm.org again that's aismm.org You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob
1: Pritchard Radio Show. We're brought to you by the American Institute for Sales, Marketing, and Management. And this is the part of the show where we talk to extraordinary people entrepreneurs that have enjoyed great success and that are overcoming obstacles in taking their product projects and products to the world you know doing business in your home country is one thing but trying to do business across the world in different cultures and in different countries with different regulations is very difficult and um, it's it's difficult to communicate uh, in in these countries if it's not if it's not your primary country, despite the fact that you would use local people because you tend to set the rules from head office wherever that is. Now there's some amazingly talented people in this world and I like to speak to them because they can teach us so much. You know, starting a business is bloody hard and there's a lot of mistakes that we can make unless you've had that experience out there and we can all learn from, from the experience of others. What I try to do in these interviews is to find out what are the characteristics that make these people successful and what makes them tick? I mean, what's behind their ability to, to be successful? Today my guest is William Nebrega he's the founder of the Conrad Group, which is a global professional services firm and it's a recognised leader in emerging market investment advisory services. William recently founded CQS International, an emerging market-focused internet-based e-insurance company that will become the largest e-insurance company globally. Now, I've had a good look at this company, and um, I think they are going to – they're disruptive, and they are really going to make a huge difference to, to the way insurance is conducted throughout Latin America and Asia. The company's supported by key partners, including Pink Zulu, who we spoke about just um, a couple of weeks ago. And they'll launch their website, com, and will expand through Latin America and Southeast Asia over the next 18 months. Now, William is a really good bloke, and uh, he speaks Portuguese fluently. He's a noted thought leader who's dedicated the past two decades to authoring numerous publications and he provides highly valued strategic counsel to global business models, particularly in emerging geographies including Brazil, India and China. His book, Riding the Indian Tiger, Understanding India, The World's Fastest Growing Market, was published by John Wiley & Sons. John Wiley & Sons is also my publisher, and they're in um, New Jersey. Great company and the biggest business book publishing company on the planet. And uh, I've also spent a lot of time in India, so we should have a bit to talk about. I've been to India on probably 20 or so occasions on business. I love doing business in India. And uh, William's also a frequent contributor and commentator for such media outlets as CNN, CNBC, Bloomberg Dow Jones the Wall Street Journal Business Week and the deal and he's trying to get into some of the big ones yeah. hi William welcome to the Bob Pritchard radio show hi Bob how are you I am great um, fabulous markets the the emerging market um, I gave a presentation a couple of years ago for at the uh, Microsoft global conference about um, retail in emerging markets and um, it really is quite different doing business in different cultures. And, uh, you know, big companies or companies have a tendency to try and um, implement similar policies across um, different markets with different nuances. I was with Coke um, as a consultant for a long while, and uh, we had numerous disastrous attempts to uniform marketing across third-world countries. Um, so how do you... um how do you address each market? You decide you're going, you're going to go into, um, you've already established, for example, in um, Brazil. Now you're going in, into Thailand. What's the first thing you do? How do you go about making sure that um, you respect and, and understand the um, cultural differences, the retail differences, the um, um, regulatory differences? How do you go about that? Well, I think,
2: you know, I guess um, if we're going to start it, maybe it is why we did it in the first place. And, and, and why we did it in the first place is that… To know, make money got, would be I mean, a reasonable assumption, right? Yeah. Well, you know, if you look at eSurance, which was acquired by Allstate for a billion in cash, they yep. were in one market, uh, primarily auto, um, and in a, in a low-growth, no-growth market, U.S., yes. yep. uh, with high rates of competition. It's a crowded market absolutely you look at emerging markets you've got a rapidly growing middle class brazil as you know you know as, as we have the, the middle class has grown by about 30 million in the last 10 years so it's about 80 90 million people um yeah. rapidly growing middle class across these markets asia latin america but low penetration rates of insurance five yes. percent but that's the next shoe to drop right because right. people want that now so we said, okay, we've got to do this. So we put together the best team there could be, and, and I think it's the best team there is, and they're a lot smarter than I am. So um, they're really driving this. But to your point, then it was, well, gee, it's pretty complex putting together a global insurance company across emerging markets because each one's so fundamentally different. Yep. We, so what we've done is we've, we've kind of demarcated them. Look at Asia. We're using a brand there called Insurance Buddha. Um, you know, Buddha is obviously universally yeah. revered. Love it. It uh, shows you know security, strength, you know wisdom, family, etc. Um, Brazil, it's kiseguro which is kind of like what insurance, right? You know, got insurance, what insurance? Um, that works very well in, in, in Spanish and Portuguese. Uh, in to your point, in each one of these markets, we've got to be careful. In Brazil, we're going to direct probably through Latin America. We'll be on our own in Asia. Most likely, we'll be picking up local partners in each key market, local insurance company, et cetera, Because it can be very difficult to navigate that terrain, and, I agree. and you can get lost.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I can agree. Get
2: lost. So, so that's that's kind of the model. In a you know, in, in thirty seconds or less. But um,
1: so, what's uh, going to motivate? Are, Sorry, what's going to motivate a local company in Thailand, for example? I mean, I've over my life and over your life, we've done many joint ventures, and some of them have worked, and many of them, we've never been able to get that negotiation completed. Why why would a local insurance company in um, Thailand, for example, which is a difficult market, why would um, why would a local insurance company embrace this newcomer coming in who's going to try and steal their business, even if they get it back, they're going to get it back at a lower, a lower profit rate than they would have got it if they had got it themselves. Why would they do it?
2: Well, we're bringing them uh, a couple of things. We're bringing them uh, uh, cutting edge or disruptive technology, internet-based technology, uh, uh, disruptive marketing, uh, including, as you said and pointed out, the PingZulu app and, and other app Capable you know, um, ability for to, to buy insurance and, and to process claims and other things, and we're giving them, we're allowing them to become part of a global exit. So, so our company, CQS International, uh, we will once we hit a billion dollars in valuation, either go public or start looking for another type of exit. They will never ever be able to participate in something like that unless they work with us because they will simply never be able to create a global company right so by partnering with us they become part of something much bigger they still have their you know their their um... you know their their meat and potatoes uh... but they will be part of something new cutting edge and you know who knows um, as part of that ipo eventually they could acquire uh... the majority ownership of the local company There's many, many possible scenarios that they will end up being much bigger and better than they were um, before. Let me make a couple of predictions.
1: We'll we'll look at this again in a couple of years and see how close I am. I think that um, in a couple of markets, particularly Brazil and India, I think um, you will grow Unbelievably quickly much much more quickly than you anticipate, I think growth in places like Thailand will be good but still be a little slower, and you will be taken out by a big guy a long time before you look at going to IPO I think that's a, a that's a fair assumption I, I think well I can
2: tell you this that I, you know um, I can't the, um, give names or anything, but we are now in discussions with one very large Chinese um, uh, conglomerate. There's another one that apparently is showing interest. Both of them want to be in this space in a very big way. Um, we were not even anticipating that, um, and so I think you're absolutely correct. I think the key though is to implement. We have to be very diligent. We have to make sure we meet our our targets. Uh, we keep very tight controls over the you know the, the capital expenditures. As you know, as we've been discussing, marketing is such a big part of this. We've got to be creative. I mean, you can blow your budget on, you know, mass media and other things. We're doing some really interesting things, Bob. For instance, we're using celebrity spokespersons for each key market. We have um, the the woman that's going to be our spokesperson for Brazil. Her name is Anita Pashke. Yes. She's gorgeous, yep. um, of course, but she's also a sports announcer and very credible with the middle class in Brazil, and that immediately brings credibility to your product and you know and, and website, etc. So that's a very low cost, high value um, marketing strategy. Ping Zulu is another one. We have to really think outside the box um, in emerging markets.
1: Yeah, in emerging markets, spokespeople work very well, providing that they're. You um, know, I've been involved with a number of um, celebrity spokespeople that have gone off the rails for one reason or another and that's the only thing to be careful of but it works it works extremely well and mass media well firstly mass media is dead no matter where you are in the world television's had its day um newspapers are a waste of time radio why listen to radio when you can listen to you know for example in the states um i i never get to listen to regular radio because i um i listen to satellite radio that's no ads you know no way for um, advertisers to penetrate so today you have to use um, particularly social media and, in, and and the internet I look at the work that Axe has done on the internet um, through digital um, uh, in, in London and their stuff's fantastic and they've got enormous penetration they've owned the market in England very quickly with very low cost relatively um, internet internet work that's just brilliant, and the ability to use the Pinterests and the um, Facebooks and Twitters and the rest of them um, particularly you know, well, I, vimeo and and um, youtube is enormous i I agree with you you can't if you go
2: viral I yep. mean that is the way and, and in fact, with pink Zulu, you know what we're one of the things we're doing is we're going to have um, insurance. Um, photo story contest every 2 weeks right and the the prizes are going to be serious you know yep. for instance brazil two trips to, you yep. know tickets to miami you know th- these are real prizes and sh- send us your best insurance story and we believe that you are going to, we are going to get thousands if not tens of thousands of of you know entries and this becomes viral because you can imagine getting a story where you know, let's say it's Thailand, you know, an elephant stepped on my car. You know, it's yeah. um, <laughs> that's a great story for the mass media. And, and it, you know, and it goes on YouTube. And, and these things just reinforce our brand. So we've got to make insurance fun. We have to be clever. And we've got to keep thinking outside the box. Um, and the other thing, Bob, is we
1: have got to expand as fast as we can. Yes. This needs scale. Yep. Yeah, I understand that. Um, So, looking at each of... Well, let's look at, um, say, India and um, Brazil. What's the um, level of insurance now and what sort of growth rate are they in in both of those markets? I'd imagine they'd be quite different, but what's the the growth potential? Yeah, so I think there's two challenges.
2: Of course, we're... Ultimately, an online broker in all of these markets, sure. and 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 the beauty in, in, in emerging markets is that the the commissions for brokers is is very high, ten to twenty percent, sometimes higher. Yeah, um, because very opaque markets, of course, we'll be changing that, making them more transparent, you know, through the internet. But the commission rates are still very high. Brazil is a much more, I'd say, sophisticated market in the sense that. Um, insurance premiums are quite high for autos and everything else. People are now migrating to health insurance, life insurance, etc. Um, surprisingly, they're just now getting comfortable with online purchases of insurance. They yeah. shop, they'll research insurance, but they're getting comfortable with purchasing insurance because primarily there was no one in the market before. And in Brazil, you have to use a broker. So yes. it's all these mom-and-pop brokers, thousands of them, tens yes. of thousands yeah. of them. Uh, India, much more sophisticated with um, purchasing yeah. online, right yep. um, yeah. But insurance premiums, on the whole much lower, um, and incomes much lower than Brazil, yes, uh, in general. So, so you have a larger market, a billion people versus 200 million, but uh, much lower premiums. Still um, very savvy as far as shopping and purchasing insurance online. Uh, still nothing like what we're going to create. But um, the challenge of, of course, the middle class in, in India is not nearly as wealthy as the middle class in Brazil. Um, right, So. So in India, we're going to need volume, as you know. Uh, whereas Brazil, we need less volume and,
1: and, and you know, in higher premiums. Having said that, um, there are a hell of a lot of wealthy middle class in India. Um, I was talking to a private banker from um, uh, American Express, and he said when they're going out looking for new clients that have got, you know. Um, tens of millions of dollars The places they look now are China and India um, Forget about the United States China and <laughs> India I mean it's quite a shock to the system When you think about it and, and I look at the people that I know in India And certainly when I go over there I'm, I'm in, you know, in a different sort of position I suppose But God I know zillions of people That have got very high wealth And are surrounded by people with, with quite high wealth well, you're absolutely right, and,
2: and and where we want to target India, where the real um, sweet spot is, are in the other insurance products, uh, yep. health insurance and life, um, yeah. because as you know, the last thing in the world you want to do is walk into a public hospital in India, um, so affluent Indians, you know, want access to great private hospitals, which exist in India. Yep. Apollo, they're good friends of mine. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Brilliant, brilliant group, right? Yep. Um, You know, all the other things you have just mentioned in India, I mean, the fact of of online um, brokerage, you know, it's one of the fastest growing markets in the world. It's because Indian women, the wives of entrepreneurs, sit home all day, and they do day trading. Yes. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're fanatical about it. Yeah. And, True. you know, so, so we have a great market there. I agree with you about China. And that's interesting because, you know, if we were to uh, end up doing a deal with one of these Chinese groups, that would be the way to get into China. But the same, you know, of course, the, indes- the, the insurance industry is highly regulated. Government-owned insurance companies own 99% of the market. Hmm. But it doesn't mean that there is not a place for an online, you know, an Internet-based um,
1: uh, portal, you know, for, for a- insurance. Absolutely. You just have to pick your partner extremely carefully. Wow. Yes, I agree. You know, there's... We,
2: we, we, a lot of companies, I think Groupon, for example they They got destroyed in China, I mean, I think yeah, I forget how many millions or tens of millions they burned there, so well group um, on. i I agree, I think India is a much it uh, would be much more low hanging fruit, absolutely if you want to call it that
1: yeah, absolutely, a much less l- regulatory control um, and i th- I think probably no doesn't matter i was going to say i was going to say they're probably more technologically the average person's probably more technologically savvy in india but i'm not sure that that's true but they they they're up there um so so why is um why pick the insurance industry
2: well again the you we you know we've been in these markets for as you point out for 20 years and i personally been yep. 20 years Financial services in general, fantastic. I mean, I could look at five other segments in financial services that, you know, could be the next three big things uh, we could do after this. But insurance was just, you know, was that slow fat rabbit that you looked at the, you know, the growth of insurance in these markets, the fact that there's no global consolidator in insurance company out there that... Um, the technology that we've developed is so scalable and the the marketing techniques as well that it simply was just too good to, to pass up. Now, of course, that was a year ago and Having been working 24 hours a day for the last year, I'm I'm wondering when 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 does it get easier,
1: but the, um <laughs>
2: But
1: I, I I do love it, you know. You you're not gonna you're not gonna want to know the answer to that.
2: I know. The I answer know. is never. Uh,
1: I know. I, but it, it it is it is a passion, and you see that we we
2: have this opportunity. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to JB Duller, who is the co-founder of eSurance. Yeah, he's you know he's become really an informal advisor to us, and and my guess is he's going to be much more than that, you know, sometime in the future, but he said, William, you know, these markets are so complex, and I said, well, J.B., if they weren't complex, if it was so easy,
1: everyone would be doing it. That's right, that's right, (laughs) and I think that, you know, the in, a, in the U.S. where um, business has been so established for such a long time and things have been done in a certain way for such a long time, when somebody really disrupts, it does take a little while unless it's I – mean, look at Amazon. It's taken them, what, I don't know how long, 15 years or more, and they're still losing $200 million a, a quarter, um, whereas in the emerging economies, I think it's much easier to be disruptive with – online products because they're so they're they're much more au fait with it earlier oh i I agree and 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 not even just that
2: look look at starbucks starbucks went to brazil and completely blew away all of the local coffee shops within a matter of you know i I don't know a couple of years i mean Every Brazilian goes to Starbucks now, yeah. which is, and 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 they're doing that in Thailand. They're doing it in the Philippines. They're doing so. Starbucks had a disruptive business model, Yep. and it and when they go to these emerging markets, the, the same you know we could look at um, you know Walmart and and many others, but they just
1: blow away the local competition. Yeah, well, that that's it. That's. I think that's not a bad example because um, Starbucks came to Australia and absolutely died. Could not could not sell a coffee, and ended up closing all their stores. I think they got one now, um, because it's a more sophisticated market. It's a more European market, and um, people like good coffee and not um, coffee milkshakes. So Mm-mm. you know they didn't they didn't do quite so well. Um, the opportunity in these markets. Um, of, of all the different types of um, insurance that's available, um, what's the difference between each of these markets in which type of insurance is more likely to be your um, target focus? Well, the way we're setting up, um, and if you look at the Kisiguru website, which
2: is live, but again, yep. as you point out, we're not launching until September, we offer consumers the ability to purchase um, a full range of insurance sure. products. And what, we're, what we're, we're going to learn as this thing develops because we don't have all the answers. And as the, the market is going to tell us where they're gravitating, what, you know, what products are. We, we know, for instance, in Brazil, auto insurance is, is really a commodity. It's, it's, you know, sure. it, but where we really want to pull or push consumers is to products like health and, and life and residential. Now, we're going to be learning as we go, you know, what hooks we need to get into them to, to make that happen. The end game, Bob, is to have this cradle-to-grave model right. that we have a consumer that said, well, I had a great experience getting my auto insurance, you know, with Kisauro, and now I'm going to go get health. And in, a five, in three years, I'm going to get you know, they come back to us again for life or whatever. And, are, and, and it's not just Internet. We have live agents that they can speak with and, you know, are very knowledgeable. And so ultimately what we want to have is this cradle-to-grave model where we're building this database where and a social community because that changes the dynamic. Because if, if we have, let's say we're in 10 countries and we're generating 60 million a month in in premium. Premium ship. right, which which give us a valuation of well over a billion. But then if you go to a AXA or someone and say, well listen guys, we have these many people that keep coming back to buy insurance products from us, you know, over, you know, a period of time or at least searching for them, what's that worth
1: to you? well yeah i i I predict that you won 't be going to them. I predict that they 'll be going to you and I predict that they 'll be going to you fairly quickly. Um, tell me about china um, i 've had I know a lot of people have tried to get into China, and i don 't know anybody who 's really succeeded. Um, the government seems to have its foot on the neck of just about everything, and uh, while they do allow some private enterprise if you like it's it's fairly controlled what's your strategy for getting into china well we
2: we we actually were going to to be frank with you ignore china for for a while yep. as you pointed out there's much easier markets to get into sure is in Brazil, thailand <laughs> Malaysia. and but if we had a very strong chinese partner you yep. know and 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 i had this talk last week with with one potential partner and if they're the ones actually putting footing the bill and opening all the doors, uh, I would say that we probably, it would make sense because it is an amazing market. I mean, it's you've an got extraordinary a market. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is a real, uh, having lived in Hong Kong for a few years, last year Hong Kong had 57 million visitors from mainland China. I would go into a Louis Vuitton store and watch these guys buy Louis Vuitton bags like they were at a electronics store. Yeah. Know? I mean, you know, I'll take 2 of those, 5 of those, 3 of those. Yeah. Uh, the amount of wealth is just mind-boggling. And <laughs> sorry, gun. No, and, and and so the the and and the there also is this this cultural desire for preservation of wealth. So yep. they're big believers in insurance and in anything else that, that preserves wealth.
1: Would you consider going into um, or making an approach to a major government um, insurance company to be an online offshoot of them? Yeah, I think a PN, I guess, would be the yep. you know our, our our logical target. Yeah, that's what I was and thinking. And I think of. the
2: way to approach them is from a position of strength again is saying, guys we're already in six countries you know, this thing, the train's left the station. We'd love to partner with you in China. And, you know, obviously you could be part of our global exit. Uh, you know, that's, you know, that's dancing with the, you know, 800-pound gorilla. But yeah, I think, I agree with you. I think it could be a great
1: strategy. Why will you become the biggest, uh, why will CQS become the biggest insurance company in the world in a short period of time in your elevator pitch we have the the technology which is scalable and as you
2: pointed out mobile app uh, focus yep. we have the experience in emerging markets we have the team that understands those markets we have this disruptive marketing strategy that we we have not seen in any of these markets. That is the we case. We don't have any regional competitors. We certainly don't have a global competitor. And most importantly, we have the tenacity and will and, and the right partners. Uh, we have an incredible partners. And, you know, I learn from them every day and that drives this. And, you know, as you may know, my former life, I was in, in special forces in the army and, uh, quitting is just simply not an option for me. And so the whole team has that spirit and we
1: simply are going to get this done. Fantastic. I believe you. I I think it's a great project. Thanks very much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, William. I really appreciate it. And uh, well, Bob, I look forward to catching much. up with you in the next week or two on one part of the globe or another. And... Um, if you'd like to find out more about William or CQS, go to conradgroupinc.com or have a look at um, Kiseguro. So it's K-I-S-E-G-U-R-O.com. It's actually a really good website. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show after this short break.
0: The American Institute of Sales, Marketing, and Management is one of the leading accreditation institutes in the world. Do you have the letters AISMM after your name? Do you have the AISMM accreditation certificate on your wall for your clients and colleagues to envy? Do you have the AISMM membership pin on your lapel? AISMM helps you do business. Join the American Institute of Sales, Marketing, and Management now. Go to AISMM.org. That's AISMM.org. listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, to connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. Absolutely no bullshit radio show here. And we're brought to you by the American Institute for Sales, Marketing, and Management on the Voice America Business Network. And don't forget, if you miss a show... You can go into the archives, go to Voice America Business, go into the archives, and you can listen to any show over the last three years, or you can um, go onto my website, um, and we also have every show over the last three years. So um, go onto the website, click on where it says Voice America Business Radio, and um, have a listen. Um, we have got a very short segment this one, so I'll, I'll tackle a short email. Uh, this email is from Alison Humphreys of Toronto, Canada, who writes, "Dear Bob, thanks for a great show. Can you give me an example of how to add value?" Um, well, let me just give you a a glimpse of an added value strategy that um, I implemented a few years ago for a client. I had a client who sold window blinds, and uh, they were wooden blinds so you know you're up against all of the other blind companies so the blinds are expensive um by comparison with the plastic ones so and every time we installed wooden blinds people would complain that um their windows were always dirty so you had these brand new blinds on dirty windows and they were all were always apologizing for their dirty windows so i went and got the local paper and uh, I found a window washer that was advertising. So I I phoned this window washer and said, hey, look, what I'd like you to do is when we install new blinds, I want you to come around to the house where we're installing and I want you to clean the windows inside and out so that when we put the blinds up, they're on sparkling windows. So I said to the guy, look, I don't want to pay you, but what I'll do, I'll introduce you to the householder so then you show them what a great job you've done and I'll leave it up to you, but you may be able to get a new client out of it. And they said, okay, we'll try that. So I thought, Jesus, that was easier than I thought, so I might take this a little bit further. So I went back to the local paper and I found a gardener and I rang the gardener, I gave them the same story and I said, look, I won't pay you, but what I want you to do is every time we install... Um, Blinds. I want you to come around and mow the lawns and trim the gardens and just make the place look good. And I'll introduce you to that householder and I'll give you a big wrap and uh, with a bit of luck you'll be able to pick up some business. So um, the guy said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. So now when you buy some new wooden blinds from Wholesale Blinds, People come round, they wash your windows inside and out, they mow your lawns, they trim the gardens. And so the place looks fantastic for about five minutes. But everybody who buys the blinds tells all their friends about these people that descended on their house and cleaned the windows and did the gardens and mowed the the lawns. And uh, so... Word of mouth was fantastic. People used to go to wherever they go and tell everybody. So business went through the roof simply because of the extra added value. And uh, so that's the power of added value. Cost absolutely no money, just used a little bit of imagination and brain power. So, Alison, I am going to send you a copy of my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, which has done very well all over the world. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. It took me seven years to write, so please enjoy it. Uh, I just want to read you something that I found in the paper yesterday, which I thought was very cool. So I've just got the paper in front of me, so I, I haven't prepared anything for this. But Google Glass is working with people with about blind or poor sight, and uh so the person says, OK, glass, wakes up the glass, and it takes a photograph. The glass takes a photograph, which is relayed back to a connected phone, and from there to Google, service, service, service the cloud, The service, the service, then use pattern and word recognition, recognition to decipher the, the main images in the photo, and then send that information back to the server. So it comes back and it says... Um, in front of you there's a sign and the sign says X, Y, Z or there's a vase on the table in front of you or whatever it is, which I think is absolutely fantastic. It enables people to read and see things that they actually can't see. So it's great for object identification. Supermarket shopping, people can look and and. It'll photograph the um, the object in front of them and tell them all the details. It'll read your signs in the streets, so if you're looking for where to go, um, it'll tell you where you are. Now, the things against it at the moment are that it takes about thirty seconds before it sees an object and actually reports back to the sight impaired person what um, what the what the object is. Um, They could get lost in the menu system and it doesn't read really fine print such as, you know, I don't know, bus timetables, for example. But what a fantastic idea. So Google Glass helping blind people to see or near blind people to see. And, you know, you add that to the um, fantastic boon it's been in the medical profession and Google Glass, while it may not be for Everybody. Um it is certainly got some fantastic uses. So congratulations to Google on, on that. Um don't forget you're listening to the Bob Pritchard radio show and Voice America Business, and we want to hear from you. So visit my website at bobpritchard.com. Listen to shows for the last three years. Find out more information about how we may be able to help you. We've got a new newsletter coming out in the next few days, so sign up for my newsletter, email me, tweet me, and tell me what it is that you want me to talk about. So thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Business Radio Show, and we're brought to you every week by the American Institute for Sales, Marketing, and Management. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at the same time. So I'd like to thank William the Brager for being my guest today, and thank you for listening, and I hope you have a really fantastic week.
0: You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.